Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. for joining us for this episode 1514. It is a pleasure and delight to have you as part of our audience. I want to share a special word of encouragement to our donors and partners, those who support the ministry financially, with a word of encouragement that I received recently from one of our former interns and former staff members. Uh, he's serving now in pastoral ministry, and he contacted me recently letting me know that he had started his first uh, counseling case and that it was going well, and he just wanted me to know that he couldn't do it without the work of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. And I wanted to pass that on to you because that is part of your ministry as well for those of you who are supporting us through prayer and financial giving. If you do not support the ministry financially, I want to encourage you to jump online and give a special gift today or set up a recurring donation to help us continue doing the work that we do. Today, you're going to hear an interview that I recorded some time ago, but then through technology snafus and things we lost, I was afraid it was gone forever, but by God's grace and through the technical prowess of those computer wizards out there, they were able to recover this recording. It's a recording with Peter Martin, who's a student here at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, who started a network and a a gathering of biblical counseling students between Boyce College and Southern Seminary. I was really encouraged by the initiative that Peter had and what what had been accomplished through these regular gatherings of these students who are studying how to help people with God's Word. And I wanted him to share with you a little bit about that ministry and how what led him to start it and things like that. I hope that this encourages other students who are out there in their colleges and seminaries who are studying biblical counseling to maybe initiate something like what Peter started here at Southern, and also to encourage those faculty, administration, staff who are serving at those various institutions to encourage students with this type of work as well. So uh, thanks again for listening. I hope it's an encouragement to you and an inspiration to you, and I hope you join us next week for next week's episode. All right, today with me, I'm excited to have in studio Peter Martin. So thank you, Peter, for joining us on 1514 today. I'm so excited to be here. So tell our audience about a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am from Boise, Idaho. I'm a student now at Southern Seminary, working on my MDiv in biblical counseling. Um, I'm at Highview Baptist Church. I'm at Highview Espanol campus, and I'm on the pastoral staff there. I lead the youth, um, lead a community group, do counseling, discipleship. Um, it's just a privilege yeah, to be able to serve there and be a part of what God's doing. So. Well, it's pretty exciting times. I know. How far are you along in your degree program here at Southern? I am almost done. I'm graduating this semester, actually. So in five days, I'll be walking <laughs> yeah, right on the table here. That's really exciting. Well, congratulations on wrapping that up. And uh, we'll we'll talk maybe at the end about passing the baton on something that you started while you were here at Southern, uh, which was the Biblical Counseling Fellowship. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so the Biblical Counseling Fellowship is really just kind of trying to create a setting where students that are interested in biblical counseling on campus here can just get together and just talk about counseling. The general purpose, we kind of... The idea was to try to help us apply counseling to real-life situations. Um, another would just be trying to explore topics, maybe in counseling, that we don't get into in some of our classes. And then also just to develop connections 
and kind of cultivate fellowship between the students that are interested. There's so much that can happen, I found happens after our sessions, but just building those relationships and and then also just providing resources, things that people haven't heard about. There's so many different resources that you don't hear about until maybe later on. And so just trying to create that setting where those things can happen. Um, I, yeah. That's the no, that's purpose. really great. So how, when you started, how did you structure it? Like, what is the group? Um, how often do they meet? What time frame? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So we, this semester and before that, even we've just been meeting once a week. We just have a set time, a set location. And then we'll just kind of mix it up, whether we're doing a speaker or whether we're just like talking about something, working through a counseling case, something like that. But just kind of a weekly informal setting. Um, yeah. And when, when did you start this here at Southern? Yeah. So it's kind of uh, a little bit of a story here. <laughs> so I came here in January, 2020 and which was a very interesting time to that arrive. I had two months, time to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> I had two months of regular classes and regular like community and stuff. And then obviously COVID hit. So it really just started for me. Like I all my counseling tr training before I got here has just always been, I feel like the community aspect has just been huge. And so I'm always like trying to talk to other people about it, learning from them, talking about my thoughts out. And so when I got here, I was like, man, I would love to be able to keep doing that with the other students. So my first class, I took a marriage and family cl counseling class and I sent an email to everyone in the class and was like, hey, like how about we get together and talk about this? Mm -hmm. And so a couple people responded and we ended up with three of us. There was a guy from China and then a gal from Ecuador and then me. And we just got together once a week after class and just talked about the material we'd gone over this week. And it was super interesting because like we all had different perspectives on especially those issues of family and marriage. And it was interesting to hear these different cultures and, and kind of bounce those ideas. And so that's kind of where it started. Um, and then semester since then, uh, about a year ago, we were taking a practical theology. I did the same thing. I was like, hey, who wants to get together? And we got a group of about, uh, there was about six of us that started meeting then weekly and just talking about what we learned about and trying to figure out how we applied it to ourselves, to others and counseling. And, and so then we met all about a year of about weekly. And uh, there was, it was cool because it's like everyone is from different backgrounds, has different thoughts, different challenges, different, you know, undergrads. We had five different churches that were there and, and among the six of us. And so, yeah, that's just kind of where it started in terms of just meeting weekly, talking about classes. And then we started moving towards talking about maybe case studies, talking about maybe books that we were reading. Um, and then all of us were in practicum together. And so we were talking about kind of counseling and how that was affecting us. And then some weeks you're just like overwhelmed and you just kind of cry and pray together. <laughs> and like, that's just life, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of then out of that, that we were wanting to expand it out. And I said, let's just formalize and actually start like a student club on campus that gives us access, first of all, to rooms that we can reserve rooms instead of just finding random places to meet. And then, and then just be a little more organized. And so we did that. And then I, what I did is I just went to different, the different like counseling classes that we have and just sent out a sheet and said, Hey, if you're interested, sign up on this. And the profs were super cool about that. And that's kind of how we got started. Well, that, yeah, that's really fascinating. Uh, and I really appreciate the initiative that you put into starting this group. And as you mentioned, it was pretty informal as it began, but as you saw growing interest from students, it turned more formal. Uh, and now you, you've even been inviting guest speakers to come in and had different opportunities like that. So tell our audience a little bit about some of the people you've had come in and, and what you to have them talk about. Yeah. So I think when we were, I was thinking 
about having people, I was trying to think about two general areas. One is like specialists in certain areas that are maybe extra challenging topics. And the other is trying to get people that are actually doing a lot of counseling and just could help us like figure out what the heck this actually looks like. (laughs) And so I was trying to think through those two things. And then with a balance of having times, we're just off weeks where we were maybe doing stuff among ourselves. And so I've had, everyone's been super cool. That's the thing that surprised me. Like most of the people I reach out to were willing to either do a zoom session or just the local guys, like you even came in and others that are from here. And even people I felt like, Oh man, I don't know if they'd ever respond to me or responding and willing to zoom zoom sessions. So we did, um, we had Ann drive on, she was talking about emotional abuse. She just released a book on that. And so she came, we had Julie Ganshaw talking about like, uh, I think it was, um, same sex attraction in teens. Um, we've had trying to think we had some local counseling pastors come in. We had Lainey Greer, who's a PhD student, well, she's done now. She's had a PhD in, in stuff with the body. And so she was talking about, hey, how do we think about the body? She's an exercise what, scientist or something was her background. So that was super fascinating. Obviously, we had Dr. Pierre, who's here on campus talking about stuff. And it's been super cool getting a, a variety of things. It, the cool thing is it's really informal. And so we're just all asking questions. People are bringing up concerns like, oh, I had this experience or the other. And it's been just, yeah, a blast. No, that's wonderful. Have you, uh, have you seen anybody or anything um, that you talk about in the fellowship that you bring back to questions in the classes that you're taking? Has it, has it sparked any good conversation in the broader um, courses that you're taking? Um, it's a good question. I, I think, I think there is definitely like an interaction happening where I feel like the relationships and discussions that we're having in class then are sparking discussions and outside, like in the fellowship and vice versa. And so like the people that I know better from the fellowship are people then that I'm like interacting more in class. And so we're definitely interacting with similar issues. It's hard to say, oh, this direct thing led to this or the other, but I definitely see just, it kind of helps that whole flow of conversations in class in the, our formal time, but then just afterwards, like people are staying half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards, just talking about stuff and trying to figure out how does this look in this setting or this other setting? And what do you think about this? And I heard this in class the other day and I, I didn't know how to process it. How do I relate it to the person that just shared this other thing that I just learned? And so I definitely see just the full interaction happening and really just like the process of learning, I think is just so benefits or so grown through that. Yeah. Well, I really, I, when I first heard about it, I, um, it had already been going for a while. I hadn't heard about it. There weren't a lot of formal announcements about it or anything like that, but I, my initial thoughts were, man, I wish I had had something like that when I was a, <laughs> when I was yeah. a student here as well, because there is, um, value in, discussion, which we don't always have time for in the courses. Obviously, people ask questions and professors respond, and it can spark a little bit of conversation. But I think even having it be student-led, and uh, it, it broadens the conversation a little bit more. It doesn't feel as much like we're just listening to one expert. So I really was excited when I heard that you did that and was really blessed to be able to be a part of it and, and uh, attend and talk about trauma and c- trauma care in that particular session. Yeah. And the interactions with the students was, was phenomenal. And it was actually a really good sized group too. Um, so what, if, if people, what, do, what have, what are some of the benefits that you've seen people take away from gathering in that 
in the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was thinking about this because you asked me a little back, and I there's like there's so much that I've seen personally, but then trying to articulate it, it can be kind of a challenge. And I think one thing that as I was talking to others and thinking about it is just one thing is the nature of biblical counseling training is just it's kind of like the closest to home of anything that we're doing here at the seminary in terms of we're dealing with like real heart problems, real issues in our own lives, but then also in the lives of like people that are close to us. And just how many times like we've been, like we're talking about something and people start tearing up either because they're like walking through something right now or they're processing through something that happened in their past and trying to relate like what we're learning then to that. And so I think, like, for me, it's felt essential. I know, like, others have talked to me, have said that too. Like, man, like, I'm, it's been so essential for me to process through how do I take this counseling stuff I'm learning and first just apply it to myself. And really, the classroom's not the setting to do that. But (laughs) building relationships outside of class and you're consistently seeing each other, there's a certain amount of commitment, then it provides a space, kind of a safe space, like, to start processing through that stuff and trying to figure out, okay, how do I actually apply this to my own life. And then just secondly, the fact that counseling is, is an inherently like relational thing. And so first of all, it should be hitting me, but then I'm trying to figure out how do I apply this to other people? And what does this look like in a relational setting? Because that's kind of our end goal with all of this is not just that I would learn some methodology or something, but then I'm playing this out with other people. And so I think because of that, like counseling it's so helpful to be talking about counseling with other people and hearing how they're processing it and their context and their cultural background and their own life background, and then working that out together. And I think, cause you're, you're really trying to take this and then figure out how do I, how would I teach this to someone else? How would I apply this before the count with someone I'm trying to help within the church or whatever context you're in. And so I think like both of those things make it so that it's an area that is just so helpful where you're having kind of discussion going on and you're building, you're making those connections in a deeper way. Um, and I've just seen like for everyone, it's just been a big support. And I was talking to one of the girls and she's like, man, like I don't think I've been able to process and really kind of make it through all the content this semester without this group, because it's just really helped me take what I'm learning and then process it, talk through it, hear other people talk through it. And there's such a blessing too of just realizing like you're not the only one struggling with this stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like you're not the only one sure. that like getting home and like trying to figure out what what does this mean for me and and mm-hmm. my life. And so just to realize, oh man, we're all kind of struggling through this is just also a huge blessing. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting. We were talking about it a little bit before even the and you mentioned it there the personal benefit of of walking through your own struggles, it, it gives an opportunity. And obviously everybody's attending church and you have other relationships as well, but it's, it's nice to know you're gathering with a bunch of people who, uh, want to care and are being trained in care to be able to share your own difficulties and struggles. I actually think, uh, and I'd be curious to have you follow up, uh, in the years ahead, how, how many of these relationships you'll, you'll carry through for a lifetime. Uh, and that's one of the benefits of on-campus education. Obviously, online education is a great benefit for people too, but things like this, you just can't um, recreate in an online platform. And being able to to gather together, I believe it'll it'll probably 
create lifetime friendships. So I'm, I'm excited to, to see how that unfolds for you all. So if somebody was interested at another campus, because one of my desires of having you on here is to spark this idea and this desire in other students uh, on other campuses. So if somebody from another campus wanted to start an, a biblical counseling fellowship there, what would you tell them? What what advice would you give? How how should they go about beginning what something like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing is just be willing to kind of start small. Of just find the students that you're talking to after class. Like I just went into Canvas and sent out an email to everybody and was like, "Who wants to do this? This um, let me know, and we'll find a time that works for us." So I, that's where I would start. Is just find the students that are around, are taking classes with you, and just start talking and get together, talk about, build those relationships. And just even a really small, even if it's three or four people can be a huge blessing and a help and you can grow so much. And like you were just saying, like these are, I already see these relationships like growing beyond that room. And I, I hope to see them continue for many years ahead in terms of partnerships, in terms of people that I can call when stuff's going on. Um, and so, yeah, I think to, just to start small is probably the first thing. And then and then just kind of start pushing on doors and see what might open up. I, I've been surprised, I think, with the students like here that are in biblical counseling, there's a, a unique amount of kind of passion and interest in it that maybe sometimes I don't always see among other like groups of emphases and stuff just because of the nature of it and maybe because all of us have often have reasons why we're in counseling and we, we love it. We want to help people. And I feel like there's a unique amount of commitment that really has helped it gain traction here on campus. And so I think you might be, the first thing, just go for it. And then you just might be surprised. And if not, like if it ends up being three people, then just enjoy the three people that are there <laughs> yeah. and grow those relationships and just know it's going to be a blessing for you three, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, uh, as you said, you were surprised at how, supportive um, people were, how encouraged people were. And I just want to encourage you and encourage anybody else who would start something like this. The The faculty would be thrilled to have something like this going on. And I'm sure the administration, everybody else, um, obviously there can be some logistical ju- hoops you have to jump through as far as rooms and things like that. But man, uh, yeah, it's exciting. And it's exciting to see students take the initiative to begin a fellowship like this. And while everybody has limited capacity, I think the faculty and staff and everybody will do as much as they can to support the effort um, as possible. So keep doing that. What What do you think, maybe I'm interested, what, what do you think are some of the benefits of maybe having it be student-led rather than initiated and led by faculty or somebody who's employed by the school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things there. Um, probably some of them I don't even understand as a student. But I think one of them is just the bandwidth of this faculty is often pretty limited. And so honestly, <laughs> yes. just it might not happen if it's not student-led. But I think the other thing is it all of our classes, everything going on on campus is faculty-led. And so creating a, a moment where it's like a student setting where we're able to talk through like what we're interested about and when we're able to be leading the discussions – and I was talking to someone and they were mentioning just like, man, sometimes I don't agree with the 
the the teachers all the time and they're great but the, i mean we all just have different opinions and we're coming with our own thoughts and and so just to be able to have a space where you can be like man i didn't agree with what they said and like i'm trying to figure out how to think through that and often someone will come with a good idea why they said it but it it just i think it creates a space that is more conducive to to what you're trying to get done and what you're trying to think through and what I've, like exactly what you said, I found the faculty have been super positive and excited about coming behind and being supportive and coming and talking to us. And I, I think it creates them, you just tell them be at this place and they have to put an hour and a half in versus the, all the planning and then the hoops. And then the other thing I've realized is that, that there's a kind of the student will is actually kind of stronger than you'd think in terms of like being able to get stuff done. And so if you can say, hey, I have a like we have a hundred people on our list, 20 people more or less have been coming every week. Like, and they hear that there's like a certain amount of, of like stuff that you can get done when you, they realize, Hey, the students are interested in making this happen themselves. And then I think that is going to just brings in resources kind of behind it that maybe you wouldn't be able to get if it's just a faculty member saying, I think the students would like this. Yeah. And then yeah. they're like, Oh, the students would. And I don't know what your perspective would be. This is my side of the students. I, yeah. So no, I think so. And I think if a, fa I mean, honestly, from the perspective of faculty, besides the time commitment, it's like uh, we have our own ideas of what we want to talk about. We have our own opinions. We're used to being the ones talking all the time. So if you let loose a bunch of yeah. a faculty member in there, they may dominate the conversation. Not Not because they don't value the students or the interaction, but it's just, we're used to being the ones talking. So I think it is great to have the student led. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we might, it would be f kind of burdensome in one sense of trying to come up with what is going to happen, what is going to happen, what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, having students who are interested, you know, they are excited about it, you know, um, they're committed to it, as you said, and they're putting, pouring in their time. Um, yeah, it's exciting. And it's also exciting about not just what happens here on campus, but the future of biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we will be sharing, we're talking about and have talked in the past on our podcast about things like regional networks mm -hmm. and, and fellowship among biblical counselors when you're in the field. And I think you guys are getting a taste of why that's important yeah. and how to make that happen. Uh, when you get cut loose uh, after after school. So um, speaking of after school, you're getting ready to graduate in a few days. What's what's next for you? Yeah, so my long-term goal is I want to end up in Latin America, probably doing theological education. Counseling will be a part of that, definitely, um, whether it be counseling with the students or teaching counseling, I think hopefully both. Um, so that's kind of long-term direction. I'm still trying to figure out where exactly that is going to be. So I'm going to be traveling down there this summer. I'm also considering the possibility of sticking around a little longer for like a PhD. And so I'm just kind of praying through all those different things. But yeah, hopefully end up in the Spanish-speaking world. And there's just a lot of exciting stuff going on, both in terms of sound doctrine and then also in terms of biblical counseling. I feel like it's just, yeah, I want to be there and be part of what God's doing and and so, yeah. No, that's awesome. And you're absolutely right. As our listeners will know, there's a lot going on in, in uh, the Spanish-speaking world in Latin America. We've got council members from all over Central America, 
Spanish-speaking islands in the Caribbean, Mexico, all over the place. So that's really, really exciting. Uh, if somebody wanted to pick your brain about setting up a group like this, how might they get a hold of you? Yeah, probably the best. Well, I mean, you could look me up on Facebook and add me, and I'll probably accept you. Um, <laughs> I'll assume it's for this. Um, but also, if you want to send me an email, my email is peter.martin at highview.com, or sorry, .org highview.org so peter.martin at highview.org and i would love to just like talk about if you have any ideas or trying to figure out what to do and how to get going yeah i love this kind of stuff i love getting people together and i love counseling and um biblical counseling and so and i'm yeah god moves through it both in us and in others and so desire to i'm not sure how many students have time to listen to this podcast but i know a number of uh people who listen are teachers at different institutions like that so if you hear this episode and you're interested you might reach out to peter or Mm -hmm. if you think of some of those students in your in your courses who are uh, sharp go get it you know self-motivated maybe you can connect them with peter and foster something like this on your campus so um well our time is wrapping up so we have a segment at the end called two minute favorites are you ready for this peter we'll see (laughs) (laughs) fair warning i didn't give him the question these questions ahead of time so here we go what is your favorite food favorite food i would have to say i love all mexican food tacos there's something street tacos just a purity about a good asada taco or Bastor. So, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite color? Favorite color. Gosh, I haven't thought about this since I was a kid. I'll go with blue. It's always been blue. Favorite sport? Um, to play soccer. To watch probably American football. All right. Favorite sports team? Mm, I have to go with my alma mater, Boise State Broncos. Favorite gift you've ever received? It's a good one. Um, I think one super memorable one, there was a kid in Medellin I was visiting. It lives on the streets and he had very little and he, I was leaving. We had played together and like had a good time for a week or two or something. And he gave me his wallet. There wasn't any money, but it was like, wow, bro. Hmm. Yeah. It was a significant, memorable. Favorite gift you've ever given? Um, That's a great question. I think... Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think I've given some books away and I think that's always super memorable and significant just to try to, to bring truth into someone's life and cause it's always something I, a book I love. And yeah. Favorite word? Favorite word. Oh man. I think if there would be one, maybe the Hebrew has said. All right. Favorite candy? Um, probably Almond Joy. Least favorite word. Least favorite word. Gosh. Maybe uh, this is facetious, but schedule. (laughs) (laughs) And favorite book of the Bible? Mm, Probably Ephesians. The counselor, I can't go wrong with that. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, the timer went off, and uh, that wraps up our time. I... Safe to go with Ephesians when David Powell said and said you could probably do almost all counseling out of the book of right. Ephesians. So, well, Peter Martin, thank you so much for being with us on 1514 today. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.